And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 for 20% off your first purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously riched Strava Craft Coffee. Drew Goodman is our guest today as, as Drew Kreisman has an off day. It's, we're skipping his day of the rotation. We're going with Drew Goodman. How you doing today, buddy? Going with the four-man rotation this week, huh? We're going a little short, but that's okay. Uh, I know you just had a, a fantastic Drew Goodman podcast that dropped this morning where you chatted with Steve Foster, and he illuminated a couple of real good things. Yeah, it was. you know, I, I thought it was an appropriate time to, to have Steve. He's always such an upbeat guy, but, I mean, after all, I know you guys have been talking quite a bit about it. You know, the first element of spring training is pitchers and catchers, right? Well, uh as odd as it is to say, and as, as you and Drew well know, the strength of this team right now on paper is their starting rotation. So it was great to get, uh, as you heard, you know, a thumbnail sketch on a lot of guys and a lot of some of the new guys and uh, some of the young guys that, that hopefully at some point in time will impact the roster uh, maybe this year or certainly not too far uh, into the future. Yeah, not to give too many things away, but uh, I loved his scouting report on on Rockies pitchers, including a lot of the young guys that uh, were just added to the 40-man roster. I like what he had to say about Flint Wallace, the new coordinator of pitching for the organization. And I thought, again, it was a really good start to this spring and this conversation that you know the Rockies are going to be a little bit better than I think most realize. Well, it's always a time of year where everyone is optimistic. And we understand that uh, from a prognostication standpoint, nobody has the Rockies anywhere near contending. Uh, so whatever they are able to do and, and utilize that as fuel and motivation, uh, that that's a good thing. And I also think genuinely, Patrick, and I bet you you're getting this sense also, in in listening to guys um, who play, not, not, not jack-offs like you and me, <laughs> but guys who actually play and guys that coach beyond the normal rhetoric of, hey, you know, we got a lot of optimism and, and we feel we're be better than people say. Genuinely, I think they they believe that. The players believe that, that they have a lot more talent um, than maybe some of the uh, journalists, if you will, and some of the experts are uh, suggesting. And, and listen, it all comes down to my favorite. My favorite line is Bill Parcells. You, we've talked about it on this on your show before. You are what the record says you are. So when they go play, you know, the first hundred games, if they're forty and sixty, guess what? They're forty and sixty. But if they're fifty-one and forty-nine, a lot of people are going to be surprised. So we'll see. We'll, you have to go play the games. 
Yeah, we know where the bar is set for them. And I think I think that's the the ongoing theme is there, there's a chip on their shoulder, that they're going to be much better than where the bar is set for them. And, you know, that bodes well going forward. Again, fourth, fifth, NL West, whatever it may be, this is a, a roster that's young enough where maybe in the next year or two, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say they're, they're going to be the Padres in a couple of years, but the Padres were in 2018, 2019, the team that people were kind of whispering and saying, if a few things go right with these young players, they can be a contender. And here we are now sitting in, in 2021 Padres are, you know, the, the, the face of the game right now, threatening the Dodgers for best in the national league. So there's a lot of young guys on this roster that are saying, okay, we might be a couple years away, but this is going to be the start. We're going to be better than where the bar is going to be set. Uh, to be fair, I understand why the bar is set there because right. if you compare the Rockies roster, certainly to the Dodgers or the Padres, nobody in their right mind is not going to take the Dodgers or Padres roster, right? I mean, yeah. that's a no-brainer. But we also know that so many of the predictions – are based on what guys have done in the recent past as opposed to, uh, you know, there's projecting projections that go on with young players, uh, but it's usually the more heralded players. And maybe an analogy would be to Oakland because a lot of years you go, who are those guys out there, yet, yet they win more than they lose. And I don't know if that's going to happen for the Rockies. We have our fingers crossed, right? But I, I just get the sense – to a man among the veteran guys, the stories and the Blackmans, whose opinions I'm really going to to listen to and I think carry weight, they, they believe they're a whole lot better than the rest of the baseball world believes. Yeah, and, and going back to that, the starting pitching, the one thing I loved listening to was hearing Steve Foster go into detail about Antonio Senzatella. He had a fantastic year last year, really – kind of broke out of his shell, you know, was, was still really good, but had his issues, you know, went, went back down to the minors in, in 2019 for a spell, but Fosty outlined a reason why, you know, Sens is going to continue to trend upward and do something that no Rockies pitcher has ever done. I won't, I won't spoil it. You got to listen to the Drew Gooden podcast to find out about that. But I thought that was uh, incredibly illuminating about Senzatella. I've said this before, and I've, and I've probably said this with you, Patrick and, and, and Drew, that is there are a number of teams, not all teams, obviously, but there are a number of teams that would trade their rotation gladly for the Rockies rotation, especially the first four. We, we I think we kind of assume and, and hope that Austin Gomber, who they got from the Cardinals, slides into that that fifth spot. But when you talk about uh, Herman Marcus, when you talk about Kyle Freeland, Antonio Senzatella, who you were just referencing, and John Gray, who's healthy. We've talked about John Gray quite a bit. That That's a pretty good group of four. Not going to supplant the Dodgers' top four. I understand that. Might not top the top four on paper with the Padres, but it's four that if you're in the other dugout, they have your attention. If, if those are the four – that opened the series, you know, that one would assume they're going to pitch against the Dodgers April 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. You know, the Dodgers aren't looking at those guys saying, oh, boy, you know, let's have a battle, of a fight at the bat rack. Those are those are guys that, that can give you an uncomfortable afternoon. You mentioned John Gray. Foster also talked about, you know, Gray rebounding, you know, and, and, and coming back. It looks like 
so far in the early reports and, and spring training down in Scottsdale is um, that, you know, his fastball's back a little bit. He, he had dropped a couple miles per hour last year. Couldn't really pinpoint what that was uh, about, you know, where, where that come from. A slider also had lost some velo on it. And, and it appears like he's back up to, you know, 96, 97, sitting around there somewhat comfortably. And that, I think that also bodes well for the Rockies chance and uh, of, of doing much better than expected. And the other thing that, that I came away from that interview with Steve this week on the podcast, Patrick, was that, and, and tell me if you would uh, agree with this, um, how you felt about it listening to the interview, that the Rockies are going to have more depth, uh, especially, not, not they're going to have probably a little better depth in the rotation. And when I say that, I'm not talking about one through five. I'm talking about, okay, you know, guys get nicked, you know, and hopefully nobody gets seriously hurt. But, you know, six, seven, eight, even nine, it's what the Dodgers always, they just keep rolling out somebody else with, with nasty stuff. And the other area is bullpen arms. It's like, okay, there, there's more bullpen arms that have legitimate stuff. And the depth appears better for the Rockies than it's been in a while. Is, is Was that one of the things that you drew from uh, listening to Steve Foster? Undoubtedly. The the rotation in that five spot, you know, they're going to be okay. And, and let's face it, one through four, they're fantastic. But are, are those guys going to be able to stay healthy, especially after, you know, maxing out at maybe, what, 80 innings last year? It was obviously a, a shortened season. So their, their arms aren't maybe uh, what they've been in, in seasons past. So – they're going to have to tap into that depth, but yeah, Gomber is going to get the first crack at, at the fifth spot spot in the rotation. We'll see what happens with that. Castellani was there for much of the year in 2020. Derek Rodriguez and Chichi Gonzalez are back on non-roster deals. So they can go down in Albuquerque and, and kind of bide their time if uh, in case something happens. And then, Oh yeah, maybe the best one of the bunch that we hope to see at some point is Ryan Rollison, a left-hander that's uh, you know, incredibly young first round pick, in 2018 uh, at Ole Miss. So he could be the most exciting one of the bunch. So they're absolutely going to be okay in the rotation. And they have a guy that uh, you, you'll have to listen to the podcast. He's not, you're not going to see him in 2021. You may not see him in 2022, but at some point you're going to see him fingers crossed. And he has a chance at being an upper echelon starter under the guy I'm referencing is a young guy. Uh, but uh, it's exciting when you can talk about a prospect as opposed to, you know, he looks to be a, you know, a back end of the rotation guy. That's, that's what we project him right now. This is a guy that projects to the top of a rotation if things play out um, nicely. So um, yeah, there, there's, there's more there. there. There's more there because there's been years where the Rockies have been really, really lean um, from a pitching depth standpoint. And the bullpen is incredibly good. I was on a call a few weeks ago with Rocky Mountain Saber, and I, you know, I, I rattled off a, a name of all the guys in the bullpen, and I still forgot two or three because they've got that much depth. And you know, they've got a uh, an exciting, you know, guy uh, that they selected in the Rule Five Draft, Jordan Sheffield. That he's actually going to have to really fight for uh, a spot in that bullpen because there are so many you know, quality candidates, you know, they, they might not be uh, an Aroldis Chapman in that bullpen, you know, not a, a lights out closer. Um, we know how good Scott Ober can be when healthy, 
But overall, from from top to bottom, there are guys there that, uh, again, you talk about other teams maybe wanting to switch places with the Rockies rotation one through four. I think the Rockies have a couple guys that I think a lot of other MLB teams could look and say, hmm, this guy could fit in really nicely in the seventh, eighth inning for us. They've got about six or seven of those guys you could say that about. And more so, as we well know, more so than any other team in baseball, they need to have pitching depth and bullpen depth uh, as opposed to, you know, three or four guys getting 70-plus appearances. If you can lower that number, and, and you know who your go-to guys are. You hope Scott Oberg it, it stays healthy and is one of those guys, Daniel Bard, certainly Michael Gibbons, who came from Baltimore. But you, you want to be able to lessen the load on those guys, Have see, you know, Estevez bounce back, Jairo Diaz bounce back. And, you know, Tyler Kinley, who you has really good stuff, and we saw him very good at times last year. He has an, he has, uh, an option left, so, you know, he's going to be in a battle – to make the club, but you know, at some point, whether it's initially or, you know, three, four, five weeks into the season, uh, he is going to be part of the mix down there. So there are more, more arms, you know, Robert Stevenson, a former number one comes over from Cincinnati. It's a big arm. Uh, and uh, you, you mentioned Jordan Sheffield. We saw Justice Sheffield uh, shut down the Rockies. His brother uh, was Seattle last year. Good pedigree, man. Good pedigree. So, you know, fingers are crossed. There, there are candidates that have the ability to miss bats in that bullpen, and, and we'll see how it plays out. But there are more options right now than there have been in a few years. And we haven't even mentioned Daniel Bard, NL Comeback Player of the Year last year. Yancy Almonte, who looked you know brilliant in flashes last year, and and a guy Michael Givens, who I think will rebound really nicely. You know, we he was a late addition last year at the trade deadline uh, from the Baltimore Orioles, and never really could kind of gain his traction. But he's been around a, a while. He's you know after uh, Daniel Bard, he's he's the the second oldest guy in that bullpen uh, right alongside Scott Oberg. So he's a veteran guy in a free agent year too. So he obviously wants to do really well. So you've got all those guys. That's a, it's a fantastic mix of relievers that, that they've got this season to rely on. Yeah. I, I would never suggest that the players don't try as hard when they're in the middle of a contract, but there is a sense of urgency when players are going into their walk year, their free, you know, free agency. Um, and sometimes that urgency uh, helps uh, produce really good years. So we'll see how, you know, that plays out for a guy like Michael Gibbons. I mean, there's a number of guys, you know, in that situation. John Gray, you know, is going into a free, you know, going into free agency uh, from a starting rotation standpoint. Um, so again, they're, they're on paper, there's more candidates uh, that can help you in their bullpen specifically than there's been uh, in a while. And I don't really think we know, this is a great question, who's going to be the Swiss Army Knife? Who's going to be like the Chris Russin, you know, maybe the the Chad Bettis, if you will, kind of going back and forth if they need uh, a spot start and, and a reliever. They've, they've got a few guys. Stevenson, you know, he, he was a starting uh, pitcher in the minors. Uh, and when he first came up with Cincinnati, I, I don't necessarily see him. Uh, in that role, Sheffield is a is a candidate for that. I think it'll really be a lot about need. You know, once the the bullpen kind of gets settled, and you know, this is the sixth, seventh, eighth uh, guy, and 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 with Bard as the closer, kind of the odd man out. We'll just have to figure out because again, all these guys, all these relievers, they're they're former starting pitchers. No one, uh, you know, other than Houston Street, as far as I can remember, how many guys are were career relief pitchers? You know, it just 
doesn't happen. So they'll, they'll have to figure it out. And, and I think just about any one of those could be uh, real, real sufficient as, as a Swiss army knife. Well, to quote Buddy Black, who says this a number of times throughout the year, particularly when he's assessing his team early in the season, he, he says, we will need all of them at some point. You know, it's not just the 20, used to be the 25-man roster, but the 26 guys that break camp. I mean, you're going to need the entire 40-man roster, and, and probably there'll be moves where guys come off the roster and move onto the roster. You're going to need, uh, you know, well over 40 guys to complete a major league season, even if you are top shelf in talent, like the Dodgers or the Padres or typically the Yankees. You need – uh, a multitude of guys that don't necessarily break with the club at the beginning of April. Yeah, it's the 26-man roster and now a five-man taxi squad going around. So it's it it, it takes a village here at, at Salt River Fields. Uh, and, and it takes uh, you to be comfortable to go back to the doctor's office. But why do that when you can use Zoom Care? Never sit in a doctor's office again. If you hate going to the doctor, like the rest of us, let's face it, Check out Zoom Care. You know the one the one thing that we can take away from the pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of your own home. Nobody likes to sit in the doctor's office or even go to the doctor for that matter, but we all need to take care of ourselves. So zoomcare.com will allow you to do just that. You'll see here and chat with the doctor just like at a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent, primary, and specialist care including your mental health. Even better, this is covered by most private insurers, usually with a copay. So visit zoomcare.com today to get it started. And here we are, February 25th, three days away from the first spring training game. That's nice. That's going to be exciting to think about on, on Sunday. So March is right around the corner, but it doesn't mean the madness of college basketball hasn't already begun. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all new players an easy chance to cash $100. How easy is this C-note? Bet $1. That's it. $1 for new customers on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this weekend. And if your team makes it rain from downtown, you cash $100. And if you need any more reason to lock in this W, I'll tell you that Alabama – University of Toledo, Baylor, and Iowa, they all average over 10 three-pointers per game. Oral Roberts and VMI lead Div uh, Division I basketball with over 11 per game. Feel better now? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code DNVR to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code DNVR for new customers to get a shot at 100-to-1 odds on any basketball game to hit a three-point shot, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. Winning paid out in $425 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Goody, I know you've been following the Nuggets pretty hardcore lately, haven't you? Uh, I've been following my, my Nuggets and Avalanche uh, on a nightly basis. Um, I, I never miss uh, a minute of Avalanche games. I, I try to follow the Nuggets pretty closely as well. I want to say one thing before we talk a little bit about that. Um, you did something there a moment ago, Patrick, that I've never heard before in my professional career. <laughs> you, had, you had VMI 
in the same breath with college basketball. Now, I'm not suggesting they haven't played college basketball before, but I've never heard them say, hey, VMI is a top some sort of college basketball list, and you found one. They shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes, evidently. But, hey, what about Oral Roberts? Don't discount them. Come no, on, my scouting. No, listen, I've had ORU over the years. In fact, they had a coach back in the day by the name of Ken Trickle, and they had two guards that played in the NBA, Greg Sutton and Haywood Workman. And those guys, whoever had the basketball when they crossed the timeline, fired it. So they shot a ton of threes, and they've had their moments in college basketball. Um, so ORU's had their moments. I've never heard VMI mentioned in terms of college basketball excellence. Not trying to take a shot at uh, future members of our military, but uh, that was a first. I, you know, I aim to break new ground all over the place. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely glad to see that. Do you think we're going to be getting some, uh, some people over at at Ball Arena? Are we going to get fans in, you know, in there at some point? And I, I getting close. A lot of other. Places have, have been limited to 1,500, 2,000. Is it finally happen? I hope so. And, you know, you know, it's funny. If you put, say, 2,500 people in Ball Arena and, and looked at it, you'd say, well, it's fairly empty. But it would feel great. I'm sure it would feel great from a player standpoint. Even watching on TV where they can have a cutaway and some actual fans, you know, getting excited. Uh, it, it, it would be awesome, and hopefully we're not too far away from that. I hope the Rockies are able to have, uh, you know, a, a semblance of a crowd uh, on opening day against the Dodgers. Certainly it won't be what we're accustomed to, but anybody is more than what we saw last year, so that would be a step in the right direction. Yeah, that's why I'm following that story so closely because it's, it's like the first domino. I mean, the Rockies, you know, they, they could be the first. Again, an outdoor venue – you know, a much larger facility so that that could happen, but it certainly would make it all the more easier if they could get fans into ball arena. Yeah, no question. And, um, you know, I, uh, as you know, I did the nuggets for 10 years and always followed them closely and they've had some, some tremendous players through the year guy was just in town recently and Carmelo Anthony, um, and, you know, go back to Alex English and, and, you know, Antonio McDice, um, Dikembe Mutombo, I'm not so sure, you know, David Thompson way back, but I'm not so sure when it's all said and done, Patrick, and I think you know where I'm going here, that Nikola Jokic will not be looked upon as maybe he has a chance. It's not out there yet, but he has a chance to me, maybe the greatest nugget ever. And I hadn't really been thinking about that before, but I'm looking, you know, I talked about him on, on my podcast uh, that, that came out today and, you know, he, he's among the league leaders. You talk about a guy that fills up the stat sheet. You name the category, he's among the league leaders. It's pretty pretty remarkable. He'd, he'd be a five-tool baseball player. Yeah, he's, he's, he's on that trajectory. Yeah, he's a five-tool baseball player. Like well, a seven-tool basketball player. <laughs> well, for, for talking five-tool players on the Rockies, a guy who, you know, certainly comes closest when I think about that. And when I think about position battles in, in camp, because we're, we're getting there now, guys are battling. And, you know, that's, that's one of the nice things I, I think about this. There being so many uncertainties on this team is that it's going to be fun seeing guys, you know, try to try to play for that starting role because there aren't as many certainties as, as in years past. And, and Sam Hilliard is one of those guys who's going to be battling 
for a spot in center field. Do you think he might be the odds on favorite? It's hard. I feel there's it's it's either him or Garrett Hampson, but Jonathan Daz is in that mix as well. There's more upside. Uh, it's not a knock on Daza. Daza has a great reputation defensively. He's hit at Albuquerque. Um, you know, a, a lot of people hit at Albuquerque. We understand that. Um, Hilliard's upside and Hampson's upside offensively, one would think, are you know, is higher than uh, than Jonathan Daza. It's going to be a good competition. You really wish, even, and we've talked about this on your show. Um, I was a purist, but now, you know, I'm a DH guy. I, I wish, I still hope that they can come together and, and produce a DH for 2021. That would help the Rockies a lot because if they go into the season without a DH, you know, you're talking about Tapia, you're talking about Hampson or Hilliard, which is what we're discussing, and, and Charlie and Wright. And the most desirable thing would be one of those guys – is a is a DH and you can rotate it. You know, it, it would allow Charlie, who's in his mid thirties, to DH probably more frequently than anybody else, perhaps. But you now have a CJ Crone in the mix. We know how good Josh Fuentes is defensively at first base. You know, so now you have Crone, a right-handed DH um, guy that you know that's done it in the past. Charlie again, get his legs, uh, you know, or get him off his legs, if you will more frequently. Uh, so you, you really do wish they had that. Otherwise it's, it is going to be a heck of a battle. And then you have a tough decision, Patrick, if you're Jeff Breidich, if you're Buddy Black in that, do you want Sam Hilliard getting, you know, 10, 12 at bats a week? Or do you say, well, listen, we have options on them. Let him go get, you know, 30 at bats every week down in Albuquerque. That's a tough call because for me, he's already, you know, he's been he's already on the Dean's list at Albuquerque, right? Garrett Hampson's already on the Dean's list at Albuquerque. Now it's about making that transition to becoming a Dean's list major league player. Um, but you, you got to sometimes there's not enough uh, at bats to go around. And it, it, it sounds strange. I think some Rockies fans, you know, confuse this a little bit because it, we're, we're acknowledging the fact that, you know, the Rockies are going to lose their their fair share of, of games this year and then some, but in a way they've got more guys than positions or spots in the lineup uh, that they need because they've got so, so many young unproven guys that still kind of have that upside and still have that potential that, you know, you can only fit so many of them in the outfield and you brought up first base and, and we'll talk about that in a second, but Josh Fuentes, it seems like has been pushed out a little bit now. Uh, Buddy even mentioned that, you know, Fuentes could spend some time in left field and so maybe Tapia is now, getting some at-bats uh, in center field. So, you know, they're, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to mix and match, I think, all around the diamond. And, and whoever's producing is is going to get the bulk of the, the playing time. Listen, in the past, Patrick, if, if your name – and this is an obvious one – if your name's Trevor Story, if your name's Nolan Arenado, if your name's Charlie Blackman, you need not walk into the clubhouse and go look – Where's the lineup card to see if you're in it? They know they're in it, and they pretty much knew where they were going to hit on a nightly basis. Trevor Story, when he walks into the clubhouse in 2021, doesn't look at the lineup card. That's not change. Charlie, unless he was told the night before, hey, we're going to give you a day tomorrow, Charlie knows he doesn't have to look in the lineup card. With virtually everyone else, they're going to have to look to see if they're in the lineup card. I know Tapia had a nice 60 games last year and we hope he grows but he's not a lock 
to play just because he had a nice 60-game stretch last year. I mean, you could see, you know, Hampson and Hilliard and Blackman in the outfield or Tapia, Hampson, and Hilliard in the outfield. Or maybe, as you said, because Fuentes is right-handed, got a tough lefty on the mound, maybe it's Fuentes, Hampson, and, you know, and Charlie uh, in the outfield uh, on a given day with Crone, a right-handed bat at first base. So there, there are definitely, you know, some options and, you know, I'm kind of stream of consciousness here and thinking out loud, but outside of the aforementioned obvious one story and Charlie, and probably even to a lesser degree, McMahon, you all, you got to walk in that clubhouse and check the lineup card. And, and also I'm in it, but where am I playing? You know, maybe Hampson's at second base and, you know, Brendan Rogers, we hope he, you know, is the second baseman because for the Rockies to grow, they need, they need Brendan Rogers to, to realize his talent that made him the third pick in the draft. But I think every, I think seven out of, at a or six out of eight position players are gonna have to check the lineup on a daily basis. Yeah, you're going, you're walking back and forth from your locker to the, check the lineup to go back to your locker to make sure you got the right mitt. Like, yeah. all right, I'm I'm in the outfield today. Got it. And and you know what? They they need that kind of flexibility. It's something that they've been preaching in the organization, you know, for for several years. I, I remember going down to Albuquerque and talking with Glenn Allen Hill about exactly that. It, it, these giving these players opportunities to play all around the diamond. It's you know, when, when the Dodgers really started, you know, doing some things and they found Chris Taylor out of nowhere, he can play center field. He can play shortstop, second base. Max Muncy was doing it for a while before he held down the fort at first base. Now the, the Rockies have some of those guys that can play around and, and play some competent defense. And now it's just a matter of them go out and do it for 162 games this year. So, um, you know, the organization knows what building blocks they have going forward. I'm glad you mentioned a, a few guys there with the Dodgers. Um, when we think of the Dodgers, we think they're great. They've won eight straight division titles. They're defending world champions. They're they're a threat to win a hundred plus games. It seems like every year, and, and you tip your your cap uh, to those guys. You have to, even if you don't like them, you have to. Um, but it, so much pessimism right now surrounding the Rockies, and I get it, man. It's understandable. Arguably their best player, guy on the Hall of Fame trajectory, is now in St. Louis. We understand that. But you mentioned three guys for the Dodgers that if I mentioned their name four or five years ago, you you wouldn't, but most people would say, well, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And Chris Taylor, who was kind of a journeyman with Seattle, uh, one guy you, you didn't uh, – maybe you mentioned Kike Hernandez. Hernandez. Yeah. Hernandez. Didn't mention him, but we were both thinking it, yeah. Right? And and then Max Muncy, who I thought last year could be an MVP candidate. You, when you walk around that diamond with the Dodgers, you go, okay, if things fall right, Bellinger had already won an MVP. Mookie Betts, we know, is an MVP. Um, but, you know, if, if things fell right in a given year, Max Muncy, talent-wise, because he could hit 35-40 homers and, and 35-40 doubles, he could be an MVP-type player. Nobody had ever heard of him unless you were a baseball nerd like us four or five years ago. So three of the most important Dodgers in the last three or four years are guys that, you know, people would have dismissed a handful of years ago. So can the Rockies be fortunate enough to, you know, a year from now, people are going, wow, you know, that that guy, you know, Sam Hilliard, where did he come from again? He was a pitcher more or less at Wichita State or 
where that Garrett Hampson guy, he's an exciting player. Where did he come from? If the Rockies can get a couple of those stories, they can accelerate this process of, of you know, rebuilding to where they were in 2018. Yeah, Creaseman called them. Uh, he trademarked the Lost Boys, and they've they've got uh, plenty of them. And if even only half of them play out to the, to the way the the organization expects, you're right. They're going to be fantastic. Now, now first base, CJ Crone, Greg Bird, Josh Fuentes. I think to a lesser extent, Connor Joe. He's going to uh, we'll see him over there at, at spring. Is it a foregone conclusion that uh, this is probably CJ Crone's job to lose? I, I think on paper you would make him the leader in the clubhouse, at least from my my standpoint. I mean, Greg Bird would be a great story. You know, Grandview High product. I mean, he had some tremendous moments with the Yankees a few years ago. But I I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick. It's already you know how time flies, right? I think it was like 2015 when he made a name for himself in New York and he was hitting home runs and. And it looked like he was on his way to be being, you know, a, a, a big time Yankee. And he's dealt with so many injuries since then. Uh, you know, Crone's kind of been steady. It's almost as if somebody's always looking for a sexier guy than CJ Crone. But then you look at his numbers, his OPS, and his ability to hit the ball over the wall, and you say, This guy, this guy's a big leaguer, man. And um, so I would agree with you. I would say right now, CJ Crone. And, and Josh Fuentes has versatility. I could see, uh, you know, ball games where Crone plays six, seven innings. The Rockies are up four to two, five to three. You know where I'm going with this. And, and Josh Fuentes is, is in the game defensively for the final six outs. Yeah, they'll be able to mix and match, you know, really nicely. It's funny you're talking about Bird coming up with the Yankees in 2015, and it made me think back to all those guys that, you know, we're kind of a flash in a pan. Kevin Maz, you remember him? Absolutely. You go, oh, he's going to be the next best thing. Shane Spencer went out and did it. And, you know, Greg Bird hitting those 11 home runs as a rookie. And he, he just hasn't been able to get healthy. But this, I think, is a good place for him to kind of settle in. It would, it would be a fantastic story. Colorado kid alongside Kyle Freeland. We've got Max George in camp as well. Um, you know, making the conversion to catcher. So those are just some of the great stories that, again, for anyone, anyone that might have turned the Rockies off at a certain point last year when they fell out of it, you missed out all the enjoyment of, of Daniel Bard as the NL Comeback Player of the Year. And, you know, Greg Bird could be could be the next version of that, this, this great story for the organization that everybody can rally behind. It's, it's one of the, the fun things about sport in general and baseball in particular because – um, the pace of the game allows us to tell stories. Um, baseball provides a lot of opportunity because, as we were discussing earlier, it's not just the 26 guys that will break camp at the conclusion of spring training. It, it goes well beyond that. And, you know, Daniel Bard was not only the best story, I think, in baseball last year, as you suggest, but one of the best stories we've seen in baseball the last half dozen years. And, uh, you know, if, if Greg Bird were to return home and, and, and play a role this year, uh, that would be a, a wonderful story that I know you'll enjoy telling and Creaseman will enjoy telling and, and, uh, and I'll enjoy telling. Bart, I think he said uh, the other day in, in camp, because this is the time where all those quotes are coming out. We're finding out how guys uh, did in the off season, Bart put on 12 pounds of muscle. So, I mean, you know, last year wasn't this flash in the pan. Hey man, that, that was, that was a great ride. I, I won last trip. 
no, he's he's still looking to do the thing, and and he's 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 set to be closer again and impaired with Oberg. I mean, get to the eighth inning, and the Rockies are going to win a lot more ball games than people think. Well, Patrick, think about this from Daniel Bart's standpoint. Uh, he's correct me if I'm wrong. He's thirty five or thirty six now. I want to say 35. I think he's 35 as well. So Daniel Bard missed seven years. So it's not like, wow, you know, he's been in the big leagues for a dozen years. And, and um, I mean, he's, he's got, uh, you know, a lot of unfinished business. I mean, there, there's a, there was a huge void in there where he's with Boston and he's going to be the next closer. And, and he's going to be, uh, you know, one of the top, uh, setup guys or closers in baseball for a number of years. And it all went away because as we know, it's been well chronicled his his issues with, with throwing the baseball uh, near the plate. And now it's all back. I mean, the funny thing is when he comes out there, I don't worry about a walk. I, uh, his stuff is nasty and he throws strikes and he probably says, I want to keep doing this for a while. I lost seven years. I, I lost my quote unquote age prime. But I'm going to show people here in my mid to late 30s that that I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to do what I was supposed to be doing in my in my mid to late 20s. With pitchers, they talk about having only so many bullets in the gun, and man, he he saved his. So he's you know his his arm's a lot more fresher than people realize. It, it's it's similar with Jacob Degrom, where he was a guy you know his his innings were limited at at Stetson University, and it, it's one of the reasons why although he got a late jump on his career, you know. People uh, have have really kind of praised him, and and uh, it's one of the reasons Mets locked him up long term. Not because you know he's a perennial Cy Young candidate, but because he seems like a sure thing to to be a guy that is just not going to have those arm injuries. Minimizing the the amount of innings pitched can can be really helpful for uh, an older pitcher's career. Yeah, I mean th- that's a good example of it, and I don't know the rhyme or reason behind it. You can break down deliveries and. You, you can break down mechanics and say, oh, this guy's going to blow out. This guy's putting too much stress on his elbow or his shoulder. And, and some guys eventually do. And, and other guys don't. And, you know, hopefully, you know, Daniel Bard has, has great health. And knock on wood, uh, collectively, everybody listening in. And uh, the Rockies, you know, group in their rotation have been effective, but but been able to take the ball every fifth day by and large uh, over the last uh, few years. I know John Gray dealt with some shoulder stuff last year, but uh, that has been you know a, a, a tough and intact group from a health standpoint, and um, that you know it's unusual. It's unusual in baseball with pitchers. We know that. Well, if we're talking about pitchers and delivery, well, we're talking about Hassel Cattle Company. Because they have got the damn good beef. The best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country is Hassel Cattle Company, a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. The Hassel Cattle Company ships some bodacious beef all over the beautiful U.S. of A, straight to your door. Why is it called the blue-collar Wagyu? Simple. It's the best damn Wagyu that every person can afford. Head to HasselCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S. E-double-L-cattlecompany.com and use promo DNVR10 for 10% off your order. And be warned, I want to tell you this, we've, Creaseman and I, we've been uh, tipping you off about this plenty of times. They are going to offer you some free items, new specials, and discounts along the way. So be prepared for that. They're hard to pass up. 
So that's DNVR10 for 10% off and orders over $200 receive free shipping. What more could you want right now following a snowstorm when roads are questionable at this time of the year? Pack out your fridge and freezer. Save yourself the trouble of what should have been a simple trip to the grocery store. HassleCattleCompany.com. And we promise you, you won't be disappointed. You're also going to enjoy saving some money or making some money, I should say, with MSU Denver Online. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturns is an education allowing you to adapt into varying 21st century careers at MSU Denver Online. Go and build your toolbox for tomorrow because in these uncertain times, make money and work while furthering your education. You no longer have to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver Online is the Colorado institution providing both rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom, the online classroom, which they've been doing for years long before many have had to figure it out on the fly. Best part? MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. In fact, some of us here at DNVR are already signed up to take MSU Denver online classes this summer after having done so already last year. So don't waste your time and money on stuff that isn't relevant to the subject you're studying. That's why MSU Denver online is the way to go. Visit msudenver.edu today for your chance at a better tomorrow. Go Roadrunners! Bud Black's favorite team. We know this. Uh, did, didn't Buddy break out of Roadrunner's uh, cap last year? Oh, he did. That was like his most cherished pose possession that, that he had gotten uh, that entire summer camp. He he wore it. He had it. He loved that thing. Yeah. That's uh, one of the many, many reasons uh, I adore that guy. And he just he jumps in. He's got great comedic timing. But but he you know, he – he wants to always be part of the community and anything new he's going to embrace. So uh, that, that was fun last year when, when the Rockies had their alternate camp over at, uh, at MSU and they got a great baseball facility over there. And uh, Ryan strain along with his, you know, famous dad, you know, Joe strain on the coaching staff, they have a good program in the RMAC baseball wise. Well, uh, before we get out of here, a uh, couple other Rockies bits of news, Ian Desmond, uh, since we last talked to you, did announce his retirement players coming out all around the, the Rockies family and on the roster, just talking about, you know, the importance that he's had in that clubhouse and on these guys and that, you know, he, he might be gone physically right now from that, that locker room, but you know, Trevor story for one is still reaching out to him, still talking with him. Uh, I imagine Charlie is, is doing the same now as a new father, um, you know, kind of a, a bittersweet ending to, to Desmond's reign. It seems like he said he's going to keep an eye on things. If he's going to come back, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, a great human being, no no doubt about it, Ian Desmond. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, the, the old line about, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk, right? Well, he, he backs things up. He, he's always walked the walk. And uh, he's been that way since he arrived in the big leagues. Uh, you know, originally he was drafted by the Montreal Expos at a Sarasota High School. And he, he's always been a grown-up in, in the big leagues. He's been a grown-up from a leadership standpoint. Uh, forget the production, and I know it, it isn't what Rockies fans had hoped when uh, he got a five-year deal uh, coming off an all-star season this one year down in Arlington. Uh, but those that know him and, and have seen his leadership, have seen you know how he carries himself and 
and the importance of family, the importance of giving back in whatever community he's been in. He, he's a perennial all-star in, in that regard. And I wish him well. And, you know, if, if it is the final time he wore Rockies uniform now going back, you know, well over a year, um, uh, you know, good, good for, for Ian to do it on his terms. And, and he did, as you said, leave the door open. So maybe who knows a couple months in, uh, you know, he comes back, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, again, I know that he disappointed a lot of fans. You know, when you sign for a big contract, there are numbers that are always going to be attached to the dollars. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I know he hit 20 homers and stole 20 plus bases and drove in 80 something. You know, there's a lot of players that would take those numbers, um, but they weren't commensurate for a lot of fans with, with the dollars that, uh, yeah, he was given. And, and as an athlete, um, you're always going to uh, fat, you know, battle those expectations. Um, but uh, from a from a class act standpoint, he's top shelf. I got to talk with him down in D.C. in, in 2019. Of course, you know, a longtime Nationals player. And earlier that day, he had just gone out to again a community that was. You know, he wasn't necessarily a part of at that time. He's a Colorado Rockies player. You know, we we see him around here in Denver and um, donating to so many charities and going to the children's hospitals and things of that nature. But he still made sure that that during that time, those connections that he had in D.C., he was going to continue with those relationships. And that's the kind of guy he is walking the walk. And it even goes so far with his his number 20, which is, you know, a, a fantastic story is, you know, is one of his first managers and. Uh, and big league ball, Frank Robinson, you know, a, a legend there, a guy who showed him the ropes and, and taught him so much about integrity. And so um, you're right. You know, the, the, the fans might, might look at, at how much he, he signed for and, you know, the statistics might not necessarily um, do him justice but, uh, off the field in the clubhouse. I mean, the, the guy worth every penny he got. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Desi's a guy that um, as, as we were chatting about has been about more than just, you know, how many hits he had on a given night. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what the future holds uh, for him moving forward. Well, speaking of futures uh, again, since we last talked to you, Fernando Tatis jr. Is he's got his, we talk about five and 10 year plans. He's got a 14 year plan signs at the Padres an extension, $340 million. Have you put your eyes back in your head yet, Drew? Well, here's something that's interesting about that, and I hope I get the, the number of games right, Patrick. Um, I want to say he's played less than 200 major league games. Played less than 162. He's played less than a full season's worth. Okay, I was I was saying he's 192. I, I, now I, I think you're it's 142, isn't it? Yeah, because he, he had a shortened season in 2019 as a rookie, and so that kind of got yeah. ended abrupt. And then last year, so yeah, he's he's still under 162 at this point. Can you imagine showing the kind of talent we've seen it firsthand? Flash that kind of talent that you are going to throw somebody 340 million dollars based on less than a full season at the big league level, and. Um, I'm sure you caught this, and I'll pass it along. When, when you compare it to the other 300 plus million dollar guys, Mike Trout is the only 400 plus million dollar guy. He had played, I, I want to say, oh, eight or 900 plus games when he was awarded 
and deservedly so, his enormous contract by the Angels. The same thing goes uh, for, uh, you know, in Philadelphia when um, when Bryce Harper signed his $300 million deal, Manny Machado also with the Padres. That's a remarkable thing. If you said, who's going to be the first team to have two $300 million players, you would pick either the Yankees or the Dodgers on the other coast. You would not pick the team that's a couple hours south of L.A. in San Diego. They not only have two $300 million players, Eric Cosmer's 100-plus million. Will Myers makes enough to buy dinner for everybody. Uh, they have a you know now a significant payroll um, up top. So you talk about bucking a trend right now where, where everybody's kind of pulling in the reins financially, owners coming off uh, a, a season where they didn't have any fans, couldn't make any money from season tickets and concessions and parking. Uh, the Padres, I don't know, I guess they found a pot of gold underneath Petco Park, but they're spending money, man. People in Southern California like wearing brown and mustard yellow. Apparently, apparently, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's. There's a lot. There's going to be a lot more people wearing brown and mustard yellow up on that bandwagon uh, in San Diego, and I get it. It's wild. I mean, you know, they're not going to be paying them a lot for the next four years. So again, you know, they they acquired all these guys, as you said. Hosmer's getting paid well. Machado, Will Myers, you Darvish, you know, right. For the near uh, future here, the next four years, you know, Tatis Jr. is not going to get uh, a lot of money. He, in fact, he'll probably be getting less than what he would have made in arbitration. So it's smart for him now, but they also lock in him for the future going ahead. And even think of it in 10 years from now. What are the, the best players in the game making in 10 years from now? When he still has four years left on his deal, you might look and go, that was, that was a, a pure stroke of genius to go ahead and play it out that way. One of the most interesting things that I saw that emanated from the signing of his contract was a piece, I want to say Ken Rosenthal and the Athletic did it, Patrick. Yes. Um, and that was on this, this group that was uh, this, this company, if you will, that basically fronts money. They, they, they gamble and they say, well, Patrick Lyons, man, he's a, he's a double A right now. He's a, a kid from maybe a tougher background or, or whatever the situation is. Maybe he's from a fine background, but he's not making a lot of money yet. But we think Patrick Lyons is one day going to really hit it big in the big leagues. And we're going to go to him and say, hey, can we front you some money right now? So, you know, you can live in a better apartment in your double A city or your single A city, wherever you are, maybe you buy a nice car, maybe you take care of uh, mom and dad and, and, and help them out a little bit. And they started this company and one of the guys they bet on and was Fernando Tatis Jr. And they paid him, fronted him, if you will, money. Well, on the backside, they're going to get a negotiated piece of that future salary. Well, in this case, their gamble paid off because he's going to make $340 million and he's going to pay whatever he got. He's going to pay back exponentially. And he is quoted as saying, I'm happy to do it. It worked out. It worked out well for me at the time, going back to his minor league days. And it's certainly he's going to be able to cover it now with the contract he just signed. But I thought that was fascinating. I, I had not heard uh, of a company doing that prior to reading that piece. Again, I believe it was by Ken Rosenthal. Yeah, it was. Big League Advance is the name of the company with uh, former Phillies pitcher Michael Schwimmer. And I, I'd heard about them 
about four or five years ago. And then it seemed like all of a sudden I couldn't, I couldn't get any information about this company. I think a lot of that was, was by design, you know, partially the, the players association, uh, haven't, you know, really given the thumbs up on this company because, you know, it, it could impact their players, uh, negatively in contract negotiations going forward. Uh, and I also think the company is probably like, yeah, you know what? People might not like the idea that we're given a, a, a player, maybe even just a hundred thousand dollars, which is a lot of money to a lot of people. But to these players, that $100,000 investment, by getting 2% of what their, their future earnings are going to be, they're going to easily make you know a million, $2 million off of that small investment. And it's one of the reasons why they've, they've got just under 200 players that they've, they've done this with. And yeah, what about the taxes in California too? I mean, how much money is this? We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be you know, crying for Tatis Jr. He's, he's still going to be well-paid even if uh, a lot of his wages are going to be garnished going forward. Yeah. Again, he'll be able to buy groceries. He'll probably have a nice ride or three or five that he can utilize and his crib will be better than your crib. Can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. Check out the Drew Creaseman podcast. It did drop today, uh, well, Thursday morning, Steve Foster. Great, great you, scouting report on, on the pitchers in Rocky's camp right now. So you're so so you're so used to doing your show with your buddy uh, Drew that you call it the Drew Creaseman podcast. Oh. You, you, and you know what? He has a podcast every <laughs> single day. I, I can only do one a week. I mean, I don't know how you guys pull it off every day. So I'm only doing one a week. Drew Goodman podcast. Look at that. At least I didn't say Drew Butera podcast. I did not do that. Hey, is Drew in camp with somebody? I think he is. I'm gonna say Texas. It's hard to keep track of everybody. I, I want to say because right. I thought, all right, Dahl and, and Butera getting back together. So he's not hanging it up. I mean, I'm sure he's got a spot uh, as a coach with somebody when when he decides to to call it a career. But I, I think he's down in Texas. Patrick, you know the analogy there, my friend, is you know the guy that that hangs in the league in, in the NFL as a backup quarterback because he's <laughs> he's good and he's solid, good teammate, and you know if you have to put him in the game, he can manage the game, and he plays like 17 years and and 15 and a half of them, he's wearing a baseball cap and he, and he makes a really good living. Well, in baseball, the equivalent is the is the backup catcher who's really good handling a pitching staff and and is going to give you you know twice a week you can throw him out there and he's, and he's going to be okay and maybe he'll throw out a hit once in a while that's drew butera he's he's going to have a, a nice big league career he's never going to make a ton of money but he's going to play a lot longer than than guys uh, you know at other positions that maybe had better talent because he has the ability to catch Yep, baseball lifer, and 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 it seems that's going to be the way it goes for him uh, and his father Sal Butera. So uh, we wish we wish Drew Butera nothing but luck. We miss Drew Creaseman. We'll get him back tomorrow on Friday's pod. And thank you, Drew Goodman, host of the Drew Goodman podcast. Make sure you download that. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow, four oh five. We're going to be live again on YouTube. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. If you're listening to this on iTunes, make sure to uh, leave us a nice little review and subscribe if you aren't already. I am Patrick D. Lyons. This is my guy, Drew Goodman, at DrewGoodman42. Follow him on Twitter. And we'll stay, Patrick and Drew. And we'll see you at the ballpark.